Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. How are you doing today? I'm so excited to be here with you. I am going to do something a little bit different for us today. I'm going to play three interviews back to back without me saying a word in between them. Um, and I'm going to try to sneak in and say a couple of words here at the end. But basically, this is going to be an interview totally episode. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Join me in welcoming Dr. Noah St. John. Hey, Noah, so glad to have you back here with us again. Thank you, Steve. Great to be back. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe people haven't listened to the other interviews we've done. So just to catch them up real quick, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm Dr. Noah St. John. I'm known as the father of affirmations and the mental health coach to the stars. I'm known worldwide for helping entrepreneurs, experts, coaches, chiropractors, health professionals, uh, basically people from all walks of life to make more in just 12 weeks than they did in the last 12 months, while also winning their lives back at the same time, meaning winning back at least one to three hours in their day and four to eight weeks in their year. And so, you know, it's one of the things I've been teaching for many, many years now, over 25 years, is that, you know, it's great to make a lot of money and that's wonderful, but what's even better is to, is to have your life back. So that's, uh, it's really exciting to see people's, uh, you know, the, their eyes light up and just uh, really saying that, you know, Noah, thank you for, for saving my marriage, for saving my life, sometimes saving my business. And um, it's, uh, it's really pretty amazing, really, what we see, the results. I love that. So last time we were together, just a couple of weeks ago here, mm -hmm. we were talking about the seven figure expert in that book. And you now have a really cool follow-up guide with it that is called the seven figure expert, um, how to make your life of more influence, but it's a manual that goes with it. If I'm, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, that's right. So we have, we have the two books, which are really companion books. The first is The Seven Figure Life, How to Leverage the Four Focus Factors for More Wealth and Happiness. That's what we talked about last time. And now we have the companion book, The Seven Figure Expert, Your Ultimate Guide to a Life of More Impact, Influence, and Financial Freedom. So really, these two books go together. Uh, you know, so this one is really aimed at helping people win their lives back. You know, like I said, it's great to have a lot of money, but what if you don't have a life? And then this is really for people who really want to add six or even seven figures to their businesses as an expert, a coach, a consultant, a course creator. Uh, but like I said, I've helped chiropractors, health professionals, network marketers, affiliate marketers, online marketers, uh, really for over 20 years now. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what we're excited about. I love that so much. So um, what, do, what are we doing in the second book? I mean, obviously the first book is just more reading. Explain to me how the second book comes together to be a companion to the first one. Yes. So Many people who uh, start an online business or want to start an online business, one of the biggest things that people ask me all the time in my one-on-one -on -one coaching and in my group coaching is, Noah, where do I start? You know, because there's so much noise out there. There's so many gurus and, you know, social media and everything. And it's really just, it's just so much noise. Uh, as I've been saying for many years, in fact, we don't live in the information age. We live in the information overload age. You know, we passed the information age 20 miles back, right? We're, we're all on overload, right? And so that's why it's really hard to know who to trust. And so the point is that I've been teaching this and doing this myself for over 25 years now. I started my company, successclinic.com, in, in 1997 in a 300-square-foot basement apartment with $800 in a book on HTML. You know, and since that time, you know, we've helped over 10,000 entrepreneurs from all walks, like over 140 countries, you know, all around the world to add six and seven and even eight figures to their business. So that's really what the seven figure expert book is focused on is really breaking it down step by step and helping you to really add those six or even seven figures to your business. So it's really aimed at people, uh, entrepreneurs, experts, uh, authors, speakers who want to really have these uh, these systems in place so that the business is working hard for you rather than you working so hard for your business. Oh man, there are so many people that resonate with that. They get up in the morning, they work from what we used to call can to can, 
and then they still have more work to do. Next thing you know, you're looking at the clock and it's after midnight and you still yeah. haven't gone to bed. Yeah. And then you wake up the next morning and the bank account doesn't look any better than it did the day uh -huh. before. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really true. And, and, you know, that really goes to this thing that so many people are really um, talking about out there, which is this hustle culture, you know, the hustle and grinders, as I call them, right? And there's so many of the, I also call them the Lambros, right? The Lambros. And, you know, they have pictures in front of their Lambos and it's like, hey, look how cool I am. And, you know, if you're not working 14, 16, 18 hours a day, then you're a loser, you know, and I'm like, no, time out, guys. You know, that is such bull. And, and you know, I'm really here to position myself against the hustle and grinders. Now, certainly I'm not suggesting that there are times in our lives and our businesses where we have to work hard. I mean, there, there are certain times where you have to maybe work, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. You know, if you're, let's say you're creating a, a new course or a new book or just getting something off the ground. Hey, there's times, I mean, in my thirties, I was working, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day because I didn't care. You know, I, I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a, even have a girlfriend at the time. And so, you know, I was working all the time and, you know, I didn't really care. But now, you know, I'm a little bit older, uh, quite a bit older, you know, 25 years later. And, you know, you really want to have the systems in place. So you are not always hustling and grinding. You want the systems working for you. So you're not working so hard for your business. So there's two questions that I want to ask you simultaneously, but I'll try to break them down one at a time. Um, question number one, what about the myth of the, you know, you can work two to 10 hours a week and really be successful. Is that true? I, I, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, again, a misnomer there. Uh, you know, there's a whole thing about the four hour work week, which is interesting because, you know, the author of that book, Tim Ferriss, I mean, he's very well known for working, you know, 14, 18, 20 hours a day, you know, so he's, he's one of those that, that says one thing and then does another, you know, and that's very common, unfortunately, in this guru industry. But the point is that, um, nevertheless, you know, for example, I work, uh, what I like to call a semi-retired life right now. I mean, I have a semi-retired life. I work about, you know, 20 to 25, maybe 30 hours a week, uh, which is kind of nice. In fact, what I really like is, you know, cause we also talk about the flex culture out there, right? The flex, like here's my flex, you know, I'm in front of my Lambo in front of my, I'm in front of my, uh, you know, helicopter, my private jet, you know, so I'm flexing, right? A lot of Lambros do that. So my favorite flex is shut my computer off at five o'clock every night. You know, that's my favorite flex is like, dude, I, I, I want a life. You know, I, I want to enjoy time with my family, with my wife, you know, and just we have a pond in the backyard and, you know, with waterfalls. I like looking at my fish. I like watching the birds. You know, and it sounds corny, but it's like, gosh, you know, how much is enough? And so the point is that we live in this culture where it's never enough. So I'm taking a stand very firmly against the point of saying it's never enough. And I'm saying, well, when is enough? And of course, that's a very personal question for every individual person. It's not like I can answer that for the, you know, the viewer or the listener or the reader. The point is I'm giving you systems so that you can answer it for yourself. So you're not always working all the time. I'll give you a quick example. I was working with one of my clients. We have, we have a program called the 12-Week Breakthrough, where I do. I help you. It's a group program where I help you make more than 12 weeks. Than you did in the previous 12 months while winning your life back. Well, we had one client in that program named Aubrey, and she had been working in her business very, very hard for 15 years, 15 years in her business, but it was really flatlined. I mean, no growth in 15 years. And she was working these 10, 12, 14, 18 hour days. And in fact, you've heard of the phrase working yourself to death. She was actually doing that. She was, she was working herself so hard, she'd put herself in a wheelchair and, you know, even still working as hard as she was, it wasn't growing. So she joined my 12-week breakthrough program. I helped her, you know, install the systems that I, that I give you in the book. And in one year, less than one year, she doubled her income after working so hard for so long with nothing to show for it. So the point is that now she's able to spend more time with her family and she's making a lot more money. And that's really what, you know, we call success. Absolutely. Um, working smarter, not harder, and actually yeah. having more money in the bank account at the end of the day. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. So life happens. We've all had it happen to us. Um, you know, you're chugging along, you've got a pretty good life, pretty good business. And then, you know, the economy changes, presidents change, whatever. Um, yep. And uh, you find yourself with a company that you still love, you still want to do. So I'm not talking about the people that are changing careers. 
but um, you know, it's not performing like it used to. Um, what kind of advice do you have for folks when they're, instead of starting from scratch, they're re-energizing to go again to that six or seven figure level? Yep. Actually, that's exactly who I specialize in. I mean, that's most of my clients are like you just described, people who have been working for a while, you know, whether it's a few years or, or many years, and they're just hitting that, as I call it, that income ceiling. You know, you keep hitting that income ceiling, like Aubrey, who I was just telling you about. Um, I'll, I'll give you another example. I was working with uh, one of my clients who's uh, joined my 12-week breakthrough program, and and she is an, uh, you know, an entrepreneur in Arizona, and she is a self-proclaimed seminar junkie. And she was going to all these seminars, but just kept hitting that income ceiling. But she was working really hard, spending all this time, all this money. And in the first two weeks of working in my 12-week breakthrough program, she tripled her investment. She tripled in two weeks. We hadn't even gotten to the money part yet. Okay. So the point about that is that when you have these systems in place, and what one of the things that we talk about that I'm known for is helping people with their inner game and their outer game. That's one of the reasons we see this, as I call it, hockey stick growth. You know, like, again, like people I've been talking about and people in the book who are, you know, just going along like this and it's okay. You know, you're making all right money, but you're just, you just keep hitting a ceiling no matter how hard you try. And so, you know, you put these systems in place, that's where the magic happens. And then boom, you get that hockey stick and it's, you know, just right through the roof, double, triple, quadruple. Uh, really in less than a year. I mean, we've seen it happen many, 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 many times. And so the point is, one of the reasons we're able to do that, and I talk about this in the book, is the inner game and the outer game. So inner game is everything that happens between your ears that you can't see directly, but it affects everything that you do. Meanwhile, the outer game is everything that you can see directly that also affects everything that you do. But what happens is most people who are struggling are struggling because of either a lack of knowledge about how to master their inner game or their outer game, or more commonly, it's really a combination of both. You know, so like I think I was talking about in the last, uh, you know, conversation we had about Charles, one of my clients who, you know, he said, Noah, if we don't get this in place, I'm going to, I'm going to miss out on, I'm going to lose a million dollars this year. It's going to cost me a million dollars if we don't put these things in place. So he paid me a hundred K to coach him one-on-one -on -one for 12 months. That's 10% of a million. And I said, you know, just give me 10%. And I said, and he said, okay. So the point is, that in less than 12 months, I didn't find him a million dollars. I found him $1.8 million in 10 months. And that is a result of this inner game and outer game. And so that is really what causes that hockey stick growth. Absolutely. So, I mean, especially when you start talking about examples of people who have possibilities of a million dollars already mm -hmm. coming up, you know, other people are like, oh my gosh, no, I, you know, I couldn't afford that at all. So, um, you know, other than, of course, getting the book, which, of course, you know, is going to cost them next to nothing. <laughs> what are some of the things that you do with one on one on one with people that um, aren't necessarily commit to $100,000 right up front? Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the things I absolutely talk about, you know, in our one on one coaching and our group coaching and in the book. And that is the different levels of service that you as an expert want to offer. So there's basically three levels of service, and that is done for you done with you and do it yourself. Okay, so the done for you as an example, like we have a, a book done for you program or service, right? So we get your book done for you. You come to us and for, I'll give you an example. I'm working with a stem cell doctor right now and we're writing a book for him on anti-aging. He came to us, he, you know, he'd heard about me, heard me on the program. He says, hey, Noah, you know, I hear you're the best in the business and I want to write this book. Now he had this book rattling around in his head for like 10 years. Well, we got it done for him in four weeks. Four weeks and we got a book done, okay? Then we also have a funnel done for you service, meaning, you know, there's lots of people who hear about funnels, but they don't know how to build. They don't know where to start. And again, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of bad information, just wrong information. So we get your, your funnel done for you, right? So we're building, like for this doctor, we're uh, writing his book and we're also creating his book funnel, all right? So we have that. That's the done for you. Then we have the done with you. Right. So the done with you level is like with the 12 week breakthrough, you get 12 weeks of coaching with me where I help you to install your inner game and outer game. So, you know, that's where you're actually working with me directly. And then we have the do it yourself. So for those people who really want to do it independently at your own pace, we have a do it yourself programs like Power Habits Academy, like Seven Figure Machine. So you can just go through at your own pace. So every level has its benefits, you know, pros and cons. So for done for you is, um, you know, it's the most money. It's the most investment. So like that doctor, he paid me $60,000 to, you know, get this book and his book funnel done. But, you know, that's the type of person who has the money and they have the desire, but they're like, I don't want to do it myself. Just can you do it for me? No. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I've got a team. We do it. 
then done with you is for the person that, that really wants that interaction, right? Like get your questions answered and really that supportive group environment, that accountability that really we all need to reach our goals faster. And then the done, uh, the do it yourself level is for maybe the person that, you know, doesn't have the money right now, but they really want the result, right? So they want the inner game, which is Power Habits Academy. They want the outer game, right? The offers, the funnels and traffic, which is seven figure machine. So that's what I encourage all of my clients to do is have those different levels of service as much as you can. Now, there is one caveat there. When we're talking about personal growth, right, like mindset or mental health, which I've been teaching for over 25 years, I have not yet figured out a way to have a done for you of, of mental health, right? So for example, it, it, the example I always give is, um, imagine if you wanted to get in shape, right? Let's say you wanted to, you know, get six pack abs, right? You're like, you see all the commercials out there or watching videos like, hey, no, I hear you're the best personal trainer out there. So I want you to help me get six pack abs. I'm like, sure, let's do it, right? And then you say, there's just one thing. I want you to do my sit-ups for me so I get six pack abs. Now, wouldn't that be great? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome if you could hire somebody, pay them, to get so you you they do the exercise and you get the six pack ass wouldn't that be awesome i mean that'd be amazing so i haven't figured out how to do that yet right when i now i'd be a billionaire right if i could figure that one but so far i mean unless, other than getting a lobotomy I, I don't know how you can do that so the point is there are some limitations to that but the point still is for almost everybody watching the program you can probably offer you know a done with you and a do-it-yourself service and then if you're able to you know certainly want to do the the done for you for, for that reason that I talked about. Absolutely. All right. So again, seven figure life, which is the book that then leads into the seven figure expert that helps people, you know, with the ultimate guide to life, more impact, influence, and financial freedom. Mm -hmm. um, they can get a free copy by going to sevenfigureexpertbook.com. Um, mm -hmm. What are, what are we going to find when we get to that URL? Yeah, sevenfigureexpertbook.com. That is the, uh, yeah, just like it sounds, the number seven. So yeah, this is the book. So there it is, sevenfigureexpertbook.com. Very easy to remember. And so yeah, the book is free. So because you're watching this program, we're giving you a copy of the book for free. So I've covered the cost of the book. We just ask you to cover the shipping. So we ship anywhere on planet Earth, right? So all United States, Canada, you know, all around the world. Um, and then there's, you know, different uh, offers. If you want to get some help, or you want to help with me, uh, you know, or if you want some of the do-it-yourself program, so you can literally get the result faster, right? So the book is, oh, oh, and by the way, when you order your book at sevenfigureexpertbook.com, while you're waiting for the book to arrive on your doorstep, I'm also going to give you for free the digital version of the book. So you can start studying immediately, right? As soon as you go to sevenfigureexpertbook.com, order your copy, you know, it's free, just cover the shipping. And then I do give you the digital version, the digital edition right away while you're waiting for the book uh, to come to your doorstep. Um, you know, and then there's other different opportunities there. And it's really just helping you to get the result fast. So if you want to add that six or seven figures, you want to reach that seven figure level in your expert business, whether you're a coach, a speaker, an author, a course creator, or a consultant, uh, that's really who this book is for. And um, it's really, it's very powerful because what's, what's also really great is I want people to realize this isn't about me, right? So many of the gurus out there, they make it all about themselves. And it's like, well, I, my response is who cares? Who cares if you did it? All I care about is, can I do it? Right? So in the book, I give you example after example, after example, story after story, after story, real life case studies of the clients that I've helped, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or group coaching so that they have reached the seven figure level. Cause Let's be honest, who cares if one person did it? You know, that could be just luck, right? That could be maybe their personality or maybe they, you know, struck gold somewhere or whatever. So it doesn't matter if that guy did it. What matters is, is there a system that anybody can use? That's what people need to look for. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's an old saying that says success leaves clues. Um, right. You've obviously been a little bit successful in life. I'm really <laughs> underselling that. <laughs> um, you know, you've done some major breakthroughs for both yourself and other people. Um, this whole concept that you just introduced to us, you're going to give us seven figure expert book for free, give the ebook while they're waiting for it. Um, when you're helping people up level do, and you know, you've got the whole done for you on the book. Um, tell authors, I mean, should they, have that same kind of process in what they do, give away their book? Oh, 
there's a lot of pros to it and not many cons really so uh yeah i mean when when people hire me to coach them whether it's one-on-one -on -one coaching or group coaching you know a question i get all the time is well noah should i write a book you know i've got you know like the stem cell doctor i was just talking about you know who hired me to do that for him and the book and the funnel and you know my my response is always the same should you write a book yes do you have to write a book? No. I mean, you know, I'm not going to come over to your house and, and you know, oh, you have to write a book. But should you? Yeah, because here's my point. So let's say you're a coach, right? Or you're an author. Well, of course, if you're an author, you've written a book. But I mean, if you're a speaker or even, you know, a real estate agent, right? Or, or a wealth manager. I, I work with wealth managers and chiropractors and, you know, just all dozens and dozens of industries. So let's say you're a realtor, right? And you have realtor A, who's written a book, and realtor B, who has not written a book. Who is the person probably going to go with? They're probably going to go with the person who's written a book. Just by virtue of writing a book, you instantly position yourself above 99% of your competition who has not written a book. And keep in mind that 80% of American adults say they want to write a book. Okay, so the, the, the point is that should you write a book? Yeah, I mean, you really should. The, the other problem, of course, is that people think it's really, really hard. So, you know, I've written and published 22 books. I've actually got five, believe it or not, I got five books coming out this year. In one year, I got five books. It's been a very prolific year for me. Um, you know, and those are both self-published and with traditional publishers. So, you know, I, I've seen it all. I've done it all. I mean, I've had six-figure advances from major New York publishers. So I've done everything in this industry. And very few people have done, you know, have the experience that I have. So I can help the, you know, I can help you. I can help the person, whether they're just starting out or whether they've even written a book or just thinking about writing a book for, you know, the last five or 10 years or whatever. So, I mean, should you have a book? The answer is, yeah, you probably should if you want to stand above your competition. I really appreciate that, um, you know, because a lot of people are always asking me and it's nice to have somebody besides me that bangs the same drum just every once in a while. Yep, absolutely. So again, go to sevenfigureexpertbook.com. That's the number seven, figureexpertbook.com. Get the free book, you know, really get all the great juicy stuff that Dr. Noah St. John has there. Uh, before I let you go, Noah, give us just one last word of encouragement so that we really feel like we can do it before we let you go. Absolutely. And I'll just reiterate something that I said, which is make sure when you are hiring a coach or a mentor, make sure you're hiring a person who has a system, okay? Not their personality. There are a lot of big, larger than life personalities in this industry. And let's face it, they're taking up all the air. You know, they're taking up all the air in the room. We all know who they are. And, you know, that's fine. But my point is, is it personality-driven success or is it system-driven success? I know for me, I had to spend over half a million dollars. I paid all those guys all this money only to find out they can't teach their way out of a paper bag and that all they have is a bunch of personality. Well, that's great. What if I don't have that personality? What am I supposed to do, right? And the fact is 95% of us don't have that kind of personality. So oh, guess, I guess we're out of luck. So that's what my books, all my training, my coaching is for. It's for the people who say, listen, I just need a system. Can you give me a checklist? Can you give me a, a roadmap? And that's exactly what I wish I, somebody would have given me a long time ago, and they never did. So, you know, I had to put it together myself from, you know, 20 years of study and spending over half a million dollars to all those guys. And so the point is, that's what was really going to get you there so much faster is having that that step by step roadmap, fill in the blank, plug and play, paint by numbers so that you can get there so much faster and easier than ever before. Dr. Nola, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. I appreciate you so, so much. It's my pleasure. Join me in welcoming Nick Venezia. Hey, Nick, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. And how about yourself? I'm doing really great, thanks. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. How I show up in the world? Um, I would like to say I show up in the world as you know, charismatic, quirky, witty, and always looking at questions, you know, and trying to see different problems that exist in the world. So with that skill set, um, what is one of the biggest problems that you can think of that exists in the world right now that you're in the process of creating a solution for? I would say right now, when you look and, and it's, you know, one issue is like, say, podcasting. It, it's where you can actually help the host you know, make better content if they actually know who the listener is, you know, what makes them tick? And when 
you can start to identify those type of things of what makes them tick, what's relevant. You can make better content that's more tailored to the listener and relevance and, you know, truly best serve that community, I think is important. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk about the elements of making that connection. I mean, some of it is in the content you're doing and some of it is some technology solutions. Um, let's talk first about what does a person need to do content wise and the overall uh, product they're creating in a podcast to have something that anybody wants to listen to so that they then can connect to them. Well, I, I think what's actually first is it actually would be a question of like, what do you think is valuable if you actually were as a podcast host to know more about your audience? Like what value would you actually see in that? Like, how would you use that as a podcast host, for example? Well, and of course, for me, you know, I'm always looking for, uh, you know, what is the one thing that a person really needs help with? So when you say what they need help with, it's, it's like, do you feel like each of your different episodes, you know, on your specific things have different solutions? And, you know, you could essentially say, and correct me where I'm wrong here, it's like that person who's listening to that show sees that episode as maybe a potential solution. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, the fun for me is the challenge of taking, you know, because it is a radio show. And so I'm putting together three small, if you will, podcasts into one show is the taking three very dis uh, disparate people and uh, finding the thread that connects, you know, you might have a real estate agent and somebody that's, you know, helping people with something spiritual and somebody else that's a you know, an accountant and where do those three people somehow meet together? And so that's actually a lot of fun for me when I'm putting the shows together. But you've also probably identified also a problem is, is where would you go right now in the industry to, if you wanted to find that type of analytics or those type of insights as a creator, as a podcast host? Well, and currently I, I don't know of any place that they really exist. Most of the analytics you get are, you know, X number of people listened on this platform if their technology is actually working properly that week. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's almost like it's more of a vanity metric, not more of a, of a metric of, of helping guide you and, you know, nurturing your community with, with relevancy. It, oh yeah, for sure. It, it's, it's almost as generic as, you know, because I come from a radio background, the uh, statistics that you get when you start talking demographic percentage of a particular radio station's audience, you know, and what does that mean that 5% of the city listens to this particular station during this time slot? So imagine what would you think would be the biggest value almost is like, if you actually were to be able to be empowered with that insight of that real estate agent, that person in, you know, looking for a solution, how would you essentially adjust if that's a solution did exist, how would you adjust your content strategy almost? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you knew specifically who was listening, what they needed and could even engage them in conversation between shows and say, you know, what do you need? <laughs> Easiest way to find out is just to ask, right? Um, you know, that'd be huge because then even the questions you're asking the guest as they come on, you can keep that in mind when you're doing that. Right. And so what you've identified really is, is, is an analytics problem, you know, an, an insights problem in, in it's industry wide. It's, it's how can you, it sounds like as that podcast host, best message, create the messaging that resonates the highest with your community. That's the most genuine and real and authentic. And sadly, this industry, it, it's, it's lagging as well as so many other areas because it's of a walled garden. You know, what? why is it in, why would Apple or why would Spotify really truly want to actually provide those insights to you as a host? Would it make sense, do you think? Well, as the host, I can totally say, yes, it would make sense. I could tell you as the, uh, you know, other types of ISPs that I've owned, um, you know, why they hold those metrics closely to their chest so that um, they have all the information and all the power. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you're saying right there is true. It's like knowledge is power. So is information. 
And I, I think what we're happening right now, which is unique, is we're in this era of essentially these the democratization of of these walls, of of literally of you know not knowing or owning your community and who's in it to now where potentially you actually have the opportunity to know who's in it, to know who each listener is, to be able to best connect to that individual with the right message and the right relevancy and authenticity. That would be just so perfect for, well, I mean, for anybody that actually hears what the person listening wants to hear versus they just want to hear themselves talk. Yeah. And I, I think also it's almost like what listening to hearing what you're saying, it's, you know, in, in this future of AI and predictive modeling and all this other stuff, it's like, when will all of those tools actually go back and help empower that host to better connect and serve that community? At like, for example, have you played with any of the different AI tools yet or any of those things in podcast? Space? Yes. Well, in podcast space, not so much. I mean, other of the content creation AIs I played around with a little bit. Yeah. But see, yet again, there, it's like you look back at that and it's it goes back to, say, that learning model. And, and it's limited where if you were able to know which of your specific episodes, you know, performed the strongest who was that community made up of? You know, what was that DNA makeup of that audience of that specific show? What were the topics discussed? Imagine the power that you, we, as an industry in podcasting, could 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 have. Oh yeah, that would be huge because, at best, right now, most of the analytics, you can say this one had the most number of listeners, and these were the guests, and this is what we talked about, and. Everything else is just making assumptions. Right. Or what about monetization? You know, being paid for the value that you as the host are creating, you know, of, of the, that listener base. You know, right now it's 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 a hard path to revenue in podcasting when reality is it's it's a beautiful platform because of the amount of trust that a podcast host has with that listener base. Well, back in the day. The argument for why podcasts and all the other internet technologies were more powerful than, say, for example, radio, when you're talking podcast, is because we can provide all of these things. Um, and then somebody forgot that that was what we started telling people in the industry, and nobody ever started collecting any of that data, um, and it just became another source of, uh, you know, audio waves crossing in a different format into people's ears. But what do you think was maybe the cause of that? Do you think it could have been, you know, big tech out there trying to, you know, protect it or keep, you know, radio in the dark? Um, I think beginning with, and bear with the fact that I've been in internet space since before the word, the internet existed, <laughs> but mm -hmm. to begin with, there was a whole lot of the, uh, people who would now call themselves big tech that were not very big back then, that all had the conceited belief that, um, you know, news on the internet would completely destroy all print newspapers and that there would just not be any of those companies. You know, and let's face it, most every city you live in still has a little local, local or county-wide newspaper. It just never happened. Um, the same thing is true when you start talking um, about podcasting, which came out a few years later, is they still took that kind of very conceited, we're going to do this and there will eventually just be no radio stations. And yet, you know, although iHeartRadio may have swallowed up the vast majority of them, they did it because they're still playing, people are still listening to them, and they're still making a ton of money off of it. Right. And, and what you've identified too is that you know, right there at the very end, right there was with iHeart, you know, they're making a ton of money off of it. And imagine if you as the host could start to actually also make even more money. Because as a host, the second you could actually imagine the power you would have with those type of analytics when you show them to a brand. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, immediately, you have a justification for them to say advertise. Yeah, I mean, Back in the day of radio sales, we used to be able to show them this is the whole entire 
area that the broadcast signal is going to. And in that area, are those are the people you want to reach? And it was kind of like the yellow pages of audio content. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually an interesting way of doing saying that. The yellow pages of audio content. I love that. That's a great term. Feel free to I, use I that in your marketing. You can have it. Oh, no. I mean, I would totally give you credit for that. That's actually, it's a great term because what you're actually identifying is, is literally is that's all the different audiences from each of these different creator shows. Is that Yellow Pages where brands nowadays, you know, the biggest brands are always looking to reach that next new or that quote incremental reach or ways to form authenticity relationships with their you know, potential customers. And yet, why wouldn't they want to go check out the yellow pages of audio right there and flip through those pages for the best ones? They line with them. Right. So I think what's happening, though, in, in the industry actually will be slowly happening it is a shift to the empowerment of a podcast host with those type of rich analytics and insights. And I know, actually, that's something that we daily are actively working on solving is empowering those hosts with those exact analytics that you just described, as well as helping make sure that the content that they are, you know, making and distributing on each episode is as unique as they are. Because every single listener has value. And you look at a platform like a YouTube, we a lot of people would believe and you know i myself say believe this too and essentially it's like you might watch one video on youtube it's amazing that you're going to see 10 ads all relevant about that one video and why isn't it more of like where ads shouldn't be even ran in my belief even on a podcast you know keep it authentic keep it real and, and help empower that smaller community with commercial free why Go help them run 10 other relevant ads offline. The products that are, say, discussed on that podcast. And then pay back that, that host for the true value that they've created, which is awareness about a different problem or an opportunity for a solution. Like, you might have just talked about the optimal running shoe on air. Who's that relevant to? A lot of running shoe brands. So if they can go to that yellow pages and flip through it and find their running shoes, they would totally want to reach that person. And that's what we're helping build and helping do. Is that right there? So that way a host like yourself can reach brands and brands can reach listeners in a relevant manner that rewards everyone. I love the concept of that. I do have one question for you. Um, and feel free to tell me, no, it doesn't do that. All right, that's that's fine answer. But um, what about for the podcaster who, when they look at those analytics, they see that they're not really reaching anyone or reaching so very few people that, um, you know, it's not going to attract the, you know, a brand. Is what you're working on, available to help them be able to learn how to be able to narrow that into something that can have a better reach. Not only reach, but to have the path to revenue and for them to grow their show, I think is the most important part there too. Um, I, I'm actually, so I'm a member of the IAB tech lab in podcasting. So the IAB, think of them as essentially, you know, it's for internet advertising. And it's helping, you know, do things like, quote, programmatic advertising in podcasting. And I'm, I'm literally sitting in this, in, in this meeting on the Zoom and, and listening to these people talk. And as they're discussing it, it's like, well, if they have under 50,000 in the audience size, it's not going to get served. And it's like, wait, that's a massive, massive amount of podcasts fall underneath that. And it's like, are you telling me right now that if you have under 50,000 listeners, you're not relevant? in the eyes of these people and these platforms. And it's like, hold up, wait, that's insanity. And the relevance is, is if you have one person, that matters. 
Two people matter. Three people, four, five, ten. It isn't so much about that, you know, mass size. If anything, that's dilution. It it's essentially think of it. I like to think of it as like a pot of chili almost. It's like the bigger, the more beans you put in the chili, the more it'll start to dilute the spice of say the original seasoning packets you put in. So it's about the fact of relevancy, of authenticity, and of uniqueness. Because if you have that group of 10 people that are listening, well, there's something unique about those 10 people because they find relevance in what's being discussed. And so to answer your question, yes, that is a very, very important element. And yes, that is something that is definitely being included for this. And as well as providing that transparent framework to empower the host and to empower the listener. So Nick, tell us um, what kind of people want to use that service and how they can get in, uh, in contact with you so that they can be a part of it. So it's deeppod.com and you can go and you can fill out the contact us form um, and essentially, you know, let us know your details and we will be in touch. And what we're looking for is creators of all sizes. And, and it's those podcast hosts who are looking to learn more about their audience, as well as help increase revenue and bottom line. And so again, it's called Deepod, D-E-E-P-P-O-D.com. So it's almost like you jump deep off, you know, you jump deep into the pod world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was going to ask you, too. I wanted to make sure that it was two Ps and that everybody caught that part of it. Yep. And then just go ahead and fill out the contact us form and, you know, we'll be in touch. And we're actively looking for people to be in the beta, as well as helping us innovate an actual industry solution for the small guy, for the everyday guy, the everyday Joe, who's a podcast host, the guy who's literally out there grinding building that community, being authentic, you know, making, making it work. And those are the people we're looking to connect. The big people are, you know, they've got the, they've got the massive contracts, but what about those and making sure no one's left behind is where we want to be a focused as well. Mm, I love that. And um, you're talking about a beta. So is there a, a fee associated with it? Or are you just kind of looking for people to be in the mix at this point? It's not so much a fee. It's almost like you get paid other way around. So if you're looking for those analytics or whatnot, it's you're helping us because we're able to then help you find brands and we revenue share back. We are the, we're here to try to help provide and bring the value that's being created, but being left behind because the industry like you were saying earlier, doesn't have all the right tool sets available. I love it. And for the average person listening, because I'm looking at your uh, your page here right now, it's asking what type, uh, type what you're interested in, and then it gives suggestions of brand agency, publisher, and other. Um, what kind of things are you really looking for uh, when okay. just the solo podcaster is? You just want just the person to say that they're, they're a podcast hub. Okay. Correct. So what you're seeing is things like publishers, like uh, Podcast One is one of the ones that we're working with um, on the publishing side and also looking at various, you know, other publishers and opportunities, as well as different agencies that are podcast agencies that help the brands find the right podcasts. And then we're also looking for the individual podcast hosts themselves, the independent guy. And all of them are relevant, and we're here to help empower and be that plumbing to help liberate each of them. I love it. Love it so much. I signed up for it just while we were talking. Cool. Um, well, we'll be in touch for sure on that. Yeah. And that's deeppod.com, D-E-P-E-O-D.com. Correct. And we just got your new submission form for saying <laughs> that through. Well, but, Nick, um, thanks so yeah. much for spending some time with us. There's so much more we could get into, but let's get the conversation started with some people and see if we can help them out. Let's help be a part of the change together. Love let's it. not stop letting this atrocity occur and let's empower the everyday creator. I love it. Nick, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. 
Cool. And thank you so much for wanting to be a part of the solution. And thank you everyone for listening that fills out that form on dpod.com. Join me in welcoming Shannon Whittington. Hey, Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Steve? Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks. So before we jump into your book, tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Well, I show up in the world as a married woman with one uh, 12-month-old dog. Uh, I'm married to a wonderful woman. I identify as a cisgender gay female, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm a clinical nurse educator, and my goal is to transform how healthcare is delivered to the rainbow community and how organizations can embrace the LGBT community and corporations. Perfect. And the book is called LGBTQ plus ABCs for grownups. Yes, I do have that written in front of me so that I gave the letters in the right order because I keep transposing them. Um, And I noticed this has nothing to do with your book, but I wanted to ask this one first. Um, There's also the IA and a couple other letters uh, for the titling of the book. Why did you choose to just go with the main ones? Oh, like to stop at the plus. Yeah. Because it can just go on infinitum, you know, LGBTQIA2SP, you know, <laughs> it's like that's kind of long for the title. So the plus kind of covers the other letters. And I have to say, you did a great job because a lot of people get those letters uh, confused. In fact, my mom says, uh, how would you talk if you didn't have the alphabet? I was like, mother, that's a really good question. Well, and that's why I have it here in front of me is because I have transposed them when I've been practicing trying to say it right. So Good uh, job. You know, we'll just get through it. You know, I mean, worst case scenario, when in doubt, read the letters. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So um, and I love that it's ABCs uh, because often, you know, it's referred to as, you know, the alphabet group, you know, so um, but ABCs for grownups, and specifically when you start talking about, like you said, with nursing and healthcare um, and businesses, you want to help them be able to know how to really um, appropriately and effectively deal with uh, people who identify as whatever they identify as. Um, What are some of the really basic ABCs that most corporations don't know, but they really should? Well, I think it's very important for them to know that even though we have these letters which identify us, like the L stands for lesbian, which is how I identify, but I also identify as gay. I think instead of trying to put us in the boxes of the letters or trying to put us in the boxes of male or female, just to know that everyone is different and everyone has their own autobiography of their letter and how they identify. So when someone says to me, for instance, hey, I'm bi, then my question is, well, what does that mean to you? Because two bisexual people can have a completely different uh, definition of how that applies to them. You know, for the longest time, I didn't use the word lesbian because back in my day it was, you know, kind of derogatory. And then I have this 19 year old intern who immediately introduces herself and says, I identify as a lesbian. I was like, oh, my gosh. So the language is linguistically fluid. It changes about every three to five years. And it's very individual for that particular person. I think that's what's important for organizations to know. So let me just reiterate what I think I heard you say, and then you can laugh at me. Um, The key to effectively including other people is to have open and honest communication. Yeah, good. Yes. What a concept. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I called it ABC because it's so simple, you know, and I wanted the book to be simple so that straight cisgender people could understand it. I I know that they're not going to read an encyclopedia on it, but they might read a short book like this because it's very rare to find someone who hasn't been impacted by someone from this community, whether it's their relative, child, someone they work with, someone in their community. So I thought it would be beneficial to break it down really, really simply so that people could understand it, but not have to spend hours trying to learn it. So for businesses, um, where's the line? 
Um, I'm going to ask you a, a very tactful, but hopefully not landmined question. Where is the line between being understanding for people and the people uh, not being offended by people who are learning? I mean, I'm talking about a, a corporation that's trying. I'm not talking about somebody that's being a jerk. I'm going to talk about corporations that's trying, but, you know, they're trying to create a communication versus just you got to get it right the first time or you're just in trouble forever for the rest of your life. Do you, did that question make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it all starts with communication. I mean, we can tell uh, as gay folks, you're, if you're earnest or not, if you really do want to know, it's just a vibe that we get. So I think when organizations can really know and understand that it's really in how they communicate. You know, I work with organizations, just today I was on the phone with an organization and they're starting from ground zero. They haven't had any training whatsoever. They want to make sure they don't offend. They just kind of want to, you know, put the information out there and let it slowly start to marinate with their company. Whereas another company I'm working with, this is probably like the fifth training they've had in this because they recognize how important it is. So I think it really boils down to effective communication, knowing what to say, what not to say, how to recover if you say the wrong thing. Like so many people are afraid of making a mistake and offending people. And I think that's one of the big things that cisgender heterosexual people deal with because they're like, I, I, you know, I don't want to offend. I kind of want to ask this, but is it okay to ask that? You know, those type of things. So for the person who wants to know, and that I think is the important part of that, um, how do they ask the more difficult questions in a tactful way to be able to actually get an answer and not just come off as stupid? Well, I think like, let's say for instance, you see someone who is wearing a dress, eyeshadow, but also has a beard, mustache, you know, like, uh, you're not really sure. So the first thing is how would you like for me to address you? You know, we said at the very beginning of the show, my name is Shannon. You said your name. Um, how would you like for me to address you? Then the next thing is what's your pronoun? It's really simple. How would you like to be addressed and what's your pronoun? And use that going forward, no matter what you think it should be, because it's not what you see, what you think it should be. It's what it is to me. And even though you may not understand it, I understand that's very difficult for people to understand some folks, at least respect it. My new idea is, is that there's seven plus billion people in the world and each one of us is unique. Every one of us needs to get a letter or a symbol. How does that sound to you? <laughs> S for straight. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, is that, you know, I mean, even when you start talking about straight or heterosexual or things like that, you know, that means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people, too. You know, um, so I think for clarity, we just let everybody find their own letter or symbol and then everybody could be unique. <laughs> yeah, that's like my mom says, you know, let every tub sit on its own bottom. You know, she said that growing up, I was like, what is she talking about? My tub is on its bottom in the bathroom, you know, and as I, you know, became an adult, I was like, oh, it means you be me and let, you know, you be you and let me be me. You know, as my friend says, whatever floats your boat, kid, you know, I think it's it, that's important. You know, just every I, I personally don't lead with being gay. I lead with being a woman, you know, a nurse. Uh, an author, a speaker who just happens to be gay, who just happens to be married to a woman. I don't really think I'm any different from you who may be married to a woman or, or whatever. I don't know, you know, but that's how I see it. It's just a, a part of me that might be a little different than you, but it's really not that different because in the end, we're all the same. Really, we're all human. And we all want to be the best expressions of ourselves. That's every person's desire in the world. You know, you want to contribute to society and be the best person of yourself. I love the song. I don't know if you ever heard it. Um, it's Toby Mac, Kirk Franklin, and um, 
one other person can't think who it is the, the girl who sings the song overcomer and her name just jumped out of my head um but it's called we all bleed the same you know and at the end of the day you cut somebody's skin it's all going to come out red mm-hmm. you know yeah and, and as a nurse i've seen a lot of blood right. and i've never seen any blood any other color than red and as a nurse, if you did see it as a different color, you would be really worried what was going on. <laughs> well, when it starts to look in purple, it starts to get really dark, you know there's some issues going on, right? You need to be intervening right away. Yeah, absolutely. So what is one thing that, and I don't know whether I should say it, that you wish every corporation could do or that every corporation should do, either way you wanna to want to answer that, um, that they could do right now that would make such a huge difference? I think if every corporation just came to the realization that we're in your corporation, okay? We're sitting next to you at the lunch counter. We're sitting next to you in the office. We're everywhere, (laughs) you know, whether you want to believe that or not, we are. We're in your communities. We're in your grocery stores, your banks. And yes, we're in your places of worship too, because a lot of us are believers. I am, you know, so if we recognize that any organization that's of a decent size, at least 50 people or so, trust me, we're there. So it's just a matter of how do we feel within this organization of being out? Is it a safe space for us to be out? And what can you do as an organization to help us to feel safe so that I know I can put the picture of my wife on my desk, too, just like you have the picture of your husband or your wife. And it's not going to be defaced by the next day. I think just recognizing that we're there, whether you know it or not, because listen, I've hid in the workplace for many years at many hospitals, many organizations that I worked at over the years. I have hidden, you know, and it doesn't feel good. Let me tell you. Then that's really good advice in general is um, and whatever it is, I mean, Specifically, we're talking about LGBTQ plus today, but anything that a person has, um, you know, we should lead with acceptance. If there is a legitimate um, situation, and I can't think of anything that has to do with this that would be that would be, um, you know, difficult for the workplace. Like if you were wearing flip flops in a construction zone, you know, you'd have to stop the person, but. You know, the things of who you love and stuff like that, I I don't know that, I don't know, maybe I'm just old enough that I'm like, maybe we don't need to bring that quite as much in the workplace. We need to bring a little bit more love and acceptance into the workplace. Is that just way too old of me? (laughs) I don't think so, because I don't know why we go to work and leave kindness at home. I've been trying to figure that out for the longest time. We can bring that with us, you know? There's an wonderful book. I don't know if you've ever read The Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino, but I love the first scroll in that one because he says, I will face this day with love in my heart and I will greet each person that I meet and say silently to them, I love you. And I think if we just took that approach in business, um, all of our businesses would do better. Um, And I think a lot of these issues would be non-existent. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm being naive, but that's what at least it seems like to me. Oh, I think our businesses would thrive. Definitely. If we lead each day with love and acceptance and, you know, it's so simple. Like I'm old school, you know, thank you, please. May I? Those kind of like, what happened to that? I don't know. But it's, it's so simple, but it works every time. I'll even take it a step further and get really old school on you. If somebody's behind you, regardless of how they identify, hold the door for them. Whether you stand back and hold the door open for them or, you know, you just hold the door back, you know, so that they can do it as opposed to letting the door slam in their face. I think we can just all agree on that level of common decency and not have to ask somebody even their pronouns (laughs) before we just be nice. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Yes. Hold the door. The book is called LGBTQ plus ABCs for grownups. It's a great guide for businesses and other people to be able to just 
begin to start thinking and learning the conversation. It is written by Shannon Whittington. Uh, she is an amazing author and has some great insights in this. And you can get the book today for free on Amazon. There's a link and I'll drop the link in the comments for those of you that didn't see it in the description. And I would really, really love it if you would pick up the book today. Shannon, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thank you for having me. And when you pick up that book and read that book, please give me a review. <laughs> Absolutely. If you like the, I even tell people, if you like the book, then give us a review. And if, and if, you know, you have questions, a book, contact Shannon and ask questions rather than asking your questions to the whole world. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that a lot. I'm really grateful to be here today. And I want to say hi to the audience that's tuning in and listening. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for being with us, Shannon. What did you think? Did you like it? Did you enjoy just hearing three interviews back to back without any of my random ramblings? Let me know what you think by going hashtag thriving entrepreneur on any of the social medias and letting me know. And remember, you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. Live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Till we're together again next time. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time.